Welcome to We Are Everyone, a video and podcast series powered by Pivotal Moments, and we focus on the intersection of mental wellness in the workforce. We bring together young professionals and mindful executive mentors to bridge the generational gap and bring to the surface conversations about the importance of mental wellness and how to overcome career tradition challenges. Mental wellness is paramount. Join us. Welcome to We Are Everyone. I am your host, Jen Sherman, and we have a very special guest on today. Actually, this guest, uh, another Pivotal Moments, Pivotal Moments channel director, Sandy Lutton and I, um, she's the host of Her Journey, Journey Told, served on a panel for DC Startup Week with Cecily. And I was like, we have to have you on my show. So we have uh, Cecily Alexa Music um, because I couldn't find your last name on Google. And that's probably on purpose for your stage stage name, but for your musician name, your artist name. Um, But uh, Cecily is a DC local vocalist, writer, and healer. And we're going to be talking about mental fitness, uh, meditation, art, and all of the things today. So welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Doing good. It's Friday. Although for me, I work, most of my work happens on Friday and Saturday, so it's actually my busy time, but still happy that, you know, the week is almost over. <laughs> yeah, I'm always curious how that works because um, my significant other, he works Saturday and Sundays and is off Monday, Tuesday off, but still kind of working. So I'm always curious, like, what that Friday feeling is for people who don't have that, like, classic Monday through Friday. Cause I'm like, does Friday feel the same to you as it does to others? Is Monday like the, is Sunday, the Sunday scaries? I always think it's interesting, like how time and days work differently for people, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, since the pandemic, I now count Sunday and Monday as like my weekend. Like I don't work on Sunday and Monday anymore. So Friday just feels almost like Thursday. Like, okay, we're almost there, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I, I love yeah. that. I love that. I think that's a good reframe because Mondays have never been a good day. I mean, in general, I'm not saying a good day, but I'm never really with it Tuesdays. And when I was talking to my spiritual guide one time, he was like, you know, Jen, just don't think, let's just like wake up and have a great attitude. And I'm like, thank you spiritual guy, Jared, but it just doesn't always work that way. My body for 29 years, almost 30 years is programmed for Mondays. So, but thank you so much. Yeah. We can always reprogram, right? Yes, we can. We can. Yeah. So um, before we dive into the meat of the interview, do you, could you just tell our audience just a little bit about your background um, and yourself? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Cecily and I'm a like you said, a vocalist, songwriter. I do guided meditation, uh, leadership facilitator, healing workshops as well. And um, I'm from Washington, D.C. And my primary primary focus in life is my music. Uh, I should say in career is my music. I do soul music with a lot of jazz influences, some folk influences, and... That's what I've been doing ever since I graduated from college, although my degree is in political science and black studies. And I think that informs what I do musically. But primarily, uh, everything I do in the last few years has really been coming from a place of trying to figure out, you know, how do I use my skill sets um, 
my voice, my music, my writing to enable people to find healing in some way. And so that's kind of the source of everything that I do. And um, over the last two years or so, that has grown into me doing uh, meditations, guided meditations and healing workshops as well. It's just a different way to use my voice and my words outside of my music, but also try to lead people to a place where they can um, find some type of healing for themselves. Um, so yeah, that's kind of me and what I do. I'm in my early 30s and I'm married and uh, yeah, so when I'm not doing anything music related or meditation related, um, I'm usually with my family, hanging out with my family. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I can at least say that when I've spoken to you and I've been outside of hearing your voice through Instagram, but speaking to you, is just like, ah, I'm calm. I'm like, just, it's just, you know, it's interesting that people can, you, you go to college, right. And hopefully you can go, I mean, even so I think I'm, I'm not even getting my conversation around higher ed because that's, that's for a different time. And I think, I think yeah. college is important for you to kind of identify in some aspects of yourself. Um, but I think where you really can find yourself is like when you're not going to school and you can actually find like what your art is. Everyone has an art. And I think sometimes we're thrown into these paths. I mean, I did general communications. Now I, I'm a communicator, but I mean, I had no idea what I wanted to really do. So I just put general comms on it, but finding yourself and finding like really looking at the reasons why you're on this earth and being able to identify and find your voice like that at an early age is just beautiful. So. Yeah. And I think also just being patient with it because it's something you grow into, you know, yep. I think I was listening to this podcast. I'm a big podcast person. <laughs> I was listening to this podcast a few weeks ago. And they were talking about how, you know, people always feel like they have to find their passion and then that will kind of inspire them to figure out what they want to do career wise. And she was saying, you know, a lot of times you just start working, you start getting into a career and through that work and that time you figure out what you're passionate about and that, you know, we really need to start looking at it that way. Not everyone's going to be, you know, 19 going to college and figure out what they're majoring in. This is my passion. This is what I'm going to do. Like you have to be patient with the process. Patience is patience is definitely a virtue. And I, and I realized um, yeah. most of these terms that you hear, you know, when you're like, you read those quotes when you're a little younger and you're like, Oh yeah, like that makes me feel good. I have no idea what they mean until you live longer <laughs> and have perspective. Yes. I'm like, Oh, that's what yes. perspective is. That's hilarious. Now I know what that means. Um, but I would like to ask, speaking of kind of this continuum and we did have this great, uh, we had this guest on that said mental fitness is a continuum and something we talk about a lot at pivotal moments is the term mental fitness. And I'm curious and, and really being aware of, of the importance of mental strength. So I'm curious of what do you think of when you hear the term mental fitness? Yeah, it's, I've really been, I've been talking to one of my friends about this too, because he's been really, you know, going through a kind of a strenuous, like mental health journey. And we were talking about kind of reprogramming the mind. And, um, you know, it's something that I've kind of studied through different, like Zen Buddhist writers over time. And to me, mental fitness, I think, 
when it when I hear that term, the first thing that comes to mind is self-compassion. Um, I think because, you know, it's kind of retraining yourself out of your consistent, like, mental critic, you know, because we all grew up with kind of similar influences, but then our own unique influences as well from our families, but also from greater society that make you feel like, you know, I'm not good enough. I can't do this thing. I'm not good at this, or I have to be this type of person, you know, um, and so I think as you grow older and as you realize, you know, through more self-awareness, like what patterns are not working for you or, you know, what types of reactions are no longer serving you. I think mental fitness is really that journey of figuring out, OK, I love myself enough to know that this is not doing anything for me. And so I can let it go and I can try to reprogram my brain to react in a different way or to not react or to gain more perspective on, you know, why is this person saying this to me and how am I responding or why am I talking to myself this way and how can I, you know, uh, replace these negative thoughts or these, this kind of negative self-critic with someone who is more compassionate, more kind, more patient, more reassuring. Um, so that's what I think of when I think of mental fitness. Yeah. I think self-compassion is a big one because we live in this world where there's expectations, right? I mean, you look at the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, and then the Gen Zers, and then whatever comes after the Gen Zers. But I think there's expectations that each generation had a face that's different from the other ones. And if I could tell you how much sometimes I wish I could be inside of someone else's brain to understand their perspective of where they're coming from. Mind you, that would be very noisy and overwhelming, <laughs> but I think you don't really need to do that if you have self-compassion, because then you can show up to a conversation and be present to it without having that voice inside your head, telling you what you need to say, what you should say, what you should do. And I think, you know, the form of art, what, the reasons why I love food and art is because it's the two things that people, no matter what walk of life you come from, can align to and, and have in common. And so I think like the movement of art and the culinary experience is really what's going to bring our society forward. Mm. And so I'm curious, kind of going to self-compassion and like your personal journey um, in continuing to, you know, find your, find your magic as that is an evolution. It's not, you know, it changes every day. And curious, you going from political science in college to then graduating is, you know, what, what inspired your music? What inspired your form of art? So it definitely evolved. Um, but early on, I kind of knew that I wanted to write songs that didn't in any way kind of like undermine other people. Um, I always wanted to build people up. I mean, that's why I studied political science because I wanted to go in international relations and I wanted to do like international peace building and things like that. Like I've always been the type of person who wants to, um, you know, bring people together as well as like build people up. 
And so I think that shifting to music full time just made me look for other ways to do that. And as I got, you know, older and had more experiences and read a lot more, um, you know, my my first like major album was called uh, Songs of Love and Freedom. And, you know, those were really the topics because I was in my 20s, like mid 20s. And I was, you know, learning how to love myself and I was learning how to love other people and I was learning how to find freedom and like a broader sense of the word, you know, like the freedom to not judge myself, the freedom to not judge other people, you know, the freedom to to rest, <laughs> you know, like all these things, um, the freedom to dream and to reimagine. And so I think that, you know, for me, those are themes that I'm always grappling with in my own life in a lot of different ways. And therefore, I'm always writing about, you know, and with my most recent album, it's called Awakening Part One. I'm working on part two now. <laughs> and uh, it really was that that has been my most although all of my albums have had have had themes. Awakening is really the most intentional work I've done because it was really specific. Like I was reading all these books about love, specifically about unconditional love. And um, I'll just list some of the books I've, you know, was reading because I think that's important because they directly inspired the work. So I was reading The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz. He's the same guy who wrote The Four Agreements. That's like his most famous work. Don't make assumptions. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but The Mastery of Love was the first book I read by him and it was really life changing for me like very life-changing just in terms of how I conceptualized of what love is and how it should feel and what it should look like and how you have to choose love in every moment, you know, and the depth of what that actually means. And also, you know, it gave me a different perspective on looking at, you know, the patterns that I'd learned and where they came from and how to like acknowledge the things you've been taught that are useful and the things that aren't useful and being able to do that with no judgment of the people that taught you those things, you know? So I think The Mastery of Love was the first book that really just changed the way I thought about how I operate in the world as someone who wants to be dedicated to the idea of unconditional love. And then the second book is called How to Love by Thich Nhat Khan. And I just love him in general. I just, I love watching his videos on YouTube. I just think he's one of the greatest human beings. <laughs> and uh, he's, for people who don't know, he's a Zen Buddhist master and teacher, writer. And um, he has a, a really beautiful how-to series. I've read, I think, half of them now. But How to Love is definitely my favorite. And I like it because it's like this little pocket-sized book you can put in your purse, you can even put it in your back pocket. I've literally given out, I think, three or four copies to friends, like randomly. I'll just be with someone, we're having a conversation, and I have this book in my purse, and I'm like, I need to give you this, and then I have to go buy another one. Like, it's that kind of book. Um, and that book really just has so many little gems, you know, like you can just read a page a day type of thing. And um, that book was really life changing to me as well. And those are two books that I was reading uh, as I was 
a meeting and dating my current husband. And right around the time we decided to get married as well. So it kind of all just like really played into the ways that I was choosing to operate in this new relationship with this person that I had already decided was going to be my life partner, you know, and it kind of really informed like the energy and the patterns that I wanted to bring into this new space and the ones I wanted to leave behind and realizing that I could, like we were talking about before, reprogram my mind, you know, not feeling like, you know, anger or, you know, any type of vitriol has to be like a automatic response, you know, that that's something that I have control over, you know, where my whole life, I just, you know, people always say like, I am who I am, you know, and it's like, no, I can actually choose how I want to show up in this moment. Like that's totally within my control. (laughs) Um, And then the third book I read which I started, it took me like a year to finish because it's just so deep. I had to keep putting it down and stopping and thinking. <laughs> that book is called All About Love by um, Bell Hooks. And if you don't know Bell Hooks, she's a black feminist writer. And that book is really about like unconditional love as a kind of universal ethic that we bring into all aspects of society. Like how do we bring that, like talking about love, not just in relationships, like romantic relationships, but also what does, how does love operate between, you know, parent and child? How does love operate between, you know, leader and people, you know? And how does love operate between human beings and, you know, our relationship with the earth, like just taking things out on more of a macro level. And so those are the three books that inspired the album I wrote and that I'm pulling from now for this next project. And it really just started off because I was learning all these things about love. And I realized like the way that I, cause you know, I make R and B music, I make soul music. And I feel like, especially as black people, we learn a lot about love through R&B and soul music. I mean, I think all human beings learn a lot about what love is supposed to be through media, you know? But as a black woman who's making soul music, I just felt like it's my job to kind of carry on these themes that I'm learning that are changing my life through my music. And I wanted to write songs that would be, you know, tell a story, like my own personal story, while also trying to share these like new, like life-changing, freeing themes of, you know, self-love and healing and choosing love over fear and learning how to truly like accept someone fully in a non-judgmental way, you know, like, so I was kind of trying to figure out ways to explore these themes musically without them being preachy. Um, and so I'm really proud of that project because I think I achieved that from what people have told me about their experiences with it. So that's what I'm trying to do on this new project too. You know, it's a process, but yeah. So yeah, that was a long answer, but <laughs> no, well, first off I was like, tick, tick, tock. I'm definitely not tick tock in regards to time of that. I was like, the thing is, is sometimes when you have a guest that says that that has a long answer and it's like tailing, it's like, okay. But that was like, I was like, uh-huh. And go, can keep going. You could literally just keep going on that whole. I was like, and what <laughs> book should I get now? Uh-huh. All right. Like, I just think to your point about like music to me is 
it, it's where it tri- it's like the triggers of like if I'm listening to a song and it and I'm like that takes me back to this moment in time and also yeah. media in my opinion is bs a lot of the time but music <laughs> is like coming from the soul the right types of music I mean not like necessarily like the pop artists that are like you know but you know like the right kind of music is coming from the soul and I think when you can feel that love, like love is love. This is, I, I think I'm going to pivot to love meditation and, and uh, mental fitness as the theme of this interview, because so much of our mental fitness health comes from love. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to have a partner in their life. You could totally go solo dolo. Having said that we're, we're uh, creatures of habit where you think when you find that partner who you want to spend your life with, whether that's a friend or a lover, it's just at the end of the day, I think a lot of the time they're supposed to, they're supposed to kind of reflect your journey of loving yourself, but also at the same time, that acceptance of that unconditional love to look over judgments, to look over, you know, that self-doubt that you might have. And I think that being, I'm curious to hear kind of like being a musician, right. And going through that journey, doing that work, reading those books, I'm definitely going to read the mastery of love because I love that the four agreements timing of the universe is always interesting. I read the four agreements a month before my previous boyfriend broke up with me. Perfect timing. Cause I was like, mm. after he went through the whole spiel, I was like, you know, I'm not going to take this personally because <laughs> don't take anything personally Four agreements. I was yes. like, Thank you. Thank you to that book. And so it's funny because I think a lot of that all plays into, you know, mental fitness. Thank you for tuning into another episode of We Are Everyone. You can subscribe to We Are Everyone on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and also be sure to visit www.pivotalmoments.org to learn more about the organization. And we also want to hear what mental wellness means to you. So you can follow us on social media, submit your video, and uh, we will catch you next time. Thank you so much.